Our main text of scripture is Isaiah chapter 40, the Hebrew prophet Isaiah chapter 40. And before we dive into that, I just want to acknowledge uh, that um, Hannah and I had the entire month of June um, to focus on, many of you know this, to focus on rest. I mean, as much rest as you can get with four little kids, but to focus on rest and personal renewal. And I think that over these coming weeks, um, uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit, uh, little pieces of what we sense, what I sense God was doing in us and, and wants to do in us and in us, uh, coming away from that time. But for this morning, I just really want to say thank you um, to the Leadership Council uh, for en- encouraging us to take that time. I want to say thank you to the staff and many leaders who have just been serving and leading in all kinds of ways for a long time, and especially in this new season. Thank you, and really to to you as, as a church. I just want to say thank you. On behalf of Hannah and our kids, I just want, want to say thank you for being the kind of people where that's just like a normal, not weird thing uh, to do. And so my heart is filled uh, with Thanksgiving this morning as I come up here to serve in this way. And one of, the, one of my practices, kind of coming out of that time, one of my practices over the past couple weeks now has been to consistently pray to consistently pray a prayer that is an adaptation of a hymn from the mid-1800s. So it's an old-school hymn by a brother named Edwin Hatch. And the prayer says this, and it's going to actually come up here on the screen. It says, Breathe on me, O breath of God, and fill my life anew, that I, would lo- that I may love what you love and do what you do. Then it says, breathe on me, O breath of God, until my heart is pure, until my will is one with thine, thine, it's from the (laughs) mid-1800s, thine, till my will is one with thine to do and to endure. Breathe on me, O breath of God, until I'm wholly thine, until my life from inside out glows, I love this, glows with thy fire divine. And church, I just want to remind all of us that that's the kind of stuff that Jesus invites us further and deeper into. Amen? That's the, we're talking about renewal in this season. That is the kind of renewal that he is at work doing toward, toward this new birthing in us, this new way of living from the inside out, toward loving the things that God loves toward purity, toward aligning with his will and enduring in it no matter what the cost, toward being holy and fully his, so much so that our lives and our life together as a church just glow with his fire divine for the glory of God and for the good of the world around us. Oh man, that church, that is what we want, right? That's what we are crying out for and contending for in this season, for God to do this real work of renewal in us and through us. And everybody who agreed with that and is still on board with that in this season said, amen, amen. Amen. This is my first time up here in six weeks, and so I'm just going to tell you right up front, I'm going to need your help this morning. Uh, And the way you can do that is to say amen or hallelujah, you know, wave your hands, do, do something to let me know you're tracking, okay? And so everybody who's still on board with that agreed and said, amen. there we go, I love that. Over the, so what we've been doing really over these last months now is just taking this, 
this word that you see up on the screen, this concept of, of God's work of renewal, and we've been looking at it from a number of different angles. And this morning, my hope is for us to, can, to just do that again and to together consider the slow work of God. The slow, often unseen, underground, seemingly silent work of our God. And as I said, our main text for this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 40. It's that last portion of Isaiah chapter 40 that Kayla just read a few moments ago. And the context of Isaiah 40 is the Hebrew prophet Isaiah prophetically speaking to a people who were living in exile. And the reality is, as you study this passage and this section of Isaiah, there's a number of actually good scholarly opinions about how this text works and how from Isaiah chapter 40 to the end of the writing, how it came to us and all of that. And all of that is good. But the bottom line for us today is that God's covenant people had been taken out of their land and into exile in Babylon. And these words are speaking about God's work to rescue them and to make things right. And so these were a people who longed, the original context, the original audience, these were a people who longed for renewal. In so many ways, they were heartbroken. They were at the end of themselves. Man, that keeps coming up, doesn't it? They were at the end of themselves. They were desperate for God's work of renewal, and they had been that way for over a generation. That's the original context of this writing. And like all other scripture, it speaks beyond that context to us in every generation with some important kingdom truths. And I believe that part of what this text helps us with is the slow, unseen, underground, seemingly silent work of God. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean, do you... In your life, do you, do you know what we mean by the slow work of God? Let me ask it this way. Are there ways that you are longing for God to move? Are there ways that you have been in this place of long, just longing for God to move or to speak or to bring renewal? Have you been, especially in this season, hoping that God would do some kind of re, like real renewal, like that prayer, some kind of real renewal in your life or in the life of someone you know or in the life of the world around us? And yet, and yet, it seems like it is just not happening. Like maybe... Maybe for you it relates to some kind of pain. That could be physical pain or emotional or any any kind. Maybe it's even some deep pain in your life. And and the truth is, you're doing the things. Like you're you're doing the things you're supposed to do. You're doing all you know to do. You're praying the prayers and yet, yet the pain is still there. Or maybe it relates to a specific circumstance that you or someone else is walking through and and walking through, and still walking through. Maybe you just long to see more transformation in your life. Or maybe it has to do with some brokenness or injustice in the world. Or maybe you are longing for clarity on what to do next. You want to see God bring some of that real renewal. You are talking about it with others. As I said, you're doing the things. You're crying out to God about it, but nothing seems to happen. And we wait, and we wait, and we 
long and we cry out and we wait some more and maybe it even feels like not only is it not happening, but it's actually getting worse. Can anyone relate? Can I see some hands? Does anyone relate? There's a lot of hands up in here. And the question is, what do we do? As, I mean, as followers of Jesus, what do we do with that? How do we live the way of the kingdom of God when we are not seeing God do the work we long to see him do? And this morning, what I'd like to do from this text is try to draw out three postures, three, three kingdom postures that we can take. And as you, if, you're, if you've been around here, you know that around here we don't we don't try to give trite answers to these kind, of, <laughs> these kind of really hard, painful issues. We don't, we don't ask people to just kind of skim over the surface of the pain or to stuff it or in any way like that. And we also don't try to give formulas like here's, all, here's the three things you have to do. Not, it's not anything like that. These are simply from this text, three kingdom postures that we can take when we're not seeing God do the work we long to see him do. Here's posture number one. We ask hard questions with soft hearts. We ask hard questions with soft hearts. I, I brought along, um, I hope this isn't incredibly cheesy, but I brought three items kind of as visual, as a way to try to make this a little more sticky for us, a little more memorable today. I brought some items to try to help with that, one of these for each of these postures. And uh, the first one here um, is Play-Doh, except I went to look for Play-Doh yesterday in our house, and we don't have any of, like, regular Play-Doh. We just have, it's just this little thing, and it's like some kind of generic rip-off version. It just says, dough. <laughs> no joke. Our kids are going to be in counseling over this. We didn't have Play-Doh. We just had this little thing called dough. Anyway, so what, what, do, you, what do we know? What's true about Play-Doh or, or dough? It's, it's malleable. Yeah, Malle, malleable. Malleable. What else? What are some synonyms with that, or what else you know? It tastes horrible. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's a, a warning for all of you in here. What else? Soft. You can make different things. It's moldable. Anybody want some of this, Dave? You want some? Anybody else want to play with some of this while we're, while we're doing this? Yeah, Blake, you got it, man. Oh, Wiley, clear in the back. You want some, too? All right, share it around, share it around. I'm going to go for it. Oh, Come on. Okay. Plato. Verse 27 of Isaiah chapter 40 says this. Why do you complain, O Jacob? Why do you say, O Israel? By the way, those are like just names. If you're, if you're newer to the scriptures, um, those are names given to God's covenant people as we read through the Hebrew scriptures or the, what we often call the Old Testament. He says, why do you complain, Jacob? talking to that people, the God's covenant people. Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. And remember the context here. The covenant people of God had been in exile, right? And so now they had begun to look around at their circumstances year after year after year, and they surmised that God had somehow disregarded them or worse. In other words, they were asking hard, honest questions. Like, God, we're your covenant people. Where are you? 
Maybe even, where in the world are you? Why do we feel so stuck? We are trying our hardest. We're doing the things. We're crying out to you, yet here we still are. Why, oh God, why? Or like the question we see in a number of places. I think I counted six of them this week throughout the Psalms. How long, O oh Lord? You know this question? How long, O oh Lord? How long? David says in Psalm 13, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? That's a hard, that's a hard, honest question. Will you forget me forever? And then he continues with more. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day after day, does anyone know this? Day after day have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Church, as we read through the scriptures, we see that the clear pattern of the kingdom of God when faced with this reality is to ask hard questions, but to do so. Hear this now. I believe this is so important in our cultural context in which almost everything is being deconstructed, in which almost everything is questioned. It is, we, we ask hard questions, but not with hard hearts, rather with soft ones like this. You see, hard hearts and soft hearts ask the very same questions, but in very different ways. Hard hearts are like, God, like with a fist up, God, why, why is this happening? It's got this complaining, it's got this complaining as you, why do you complain, oh Jacob? Whereas soft hearts, again, like this, soft hearts still ask the question, but in a contrite, moldable way. Like, oh God, why, why is this happening? Hard hearts, again, fist up, somehow put themselves, they don't think they're doing this, but they put themselves in their understanding of things, in their understanding of the world, in their understanding of Scripture, somehow above God, and they surmise that God has disregarded them. But soft hearts recognize in humility that we know so little. And they ask... The question still, God, are my ways, are my ways hidden from you? I don't, this is confusing. This is super hard. Have you for whatever reason disregarded me? Hard hearts ask, why are these things, these horrific things happening in our city and in our world? And they ask in such a way that over time, they turn from God. I've seen it again and again. They turn from faith in God, whereas soft hearts ask the same thing. Why are these horrific things happening in our city and in our world? It's heartbreaking. God, I know that it breaks your heart even more than mine, but it's hard and confusing. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, when we are not seeing God work in the ways we long to see him work, we as the church ask hard questions, but we do so with soft, humble Moldable hearts that are desperate for him and for his kingdom. And everyone agreed and said, amen. Amen. That's posture number one. Posture number two, we trust in the slow work of God. We trust in the the slow work of God. And and for this one, I brought some, some seeds. 
Um, don't worry, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw these at anybody. And Hannah, yesterday, I remember when I thought about this, uh, for after our wedding, our wedding reception, uh, we know when you walk out and everybody's forming a line. We didn't choose bubbles for them to blow. We didn't have like sparklers. No, we had them throw seeds at us, you guys. Like we had seeds in our car, seeds in our hair, seeds in places you shouldn't have seeds. I mean, there were just seeds everywhere. Anyway, so I've got some seeds here. I'm not gonna throw them. So, can anyone guess what kind of seed? I mean, they're super tiny. Anybody? You didn't say cannabis, did you? No. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear it. Well, <laughs> mustard seed. There it is. Got these little mustard seeds. Verse 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Check this out. The prophet proclaims, Yahweh is the everlasting God. He is the, in the Hebrew, the olam God, the eternal in both directions, past and future, for ages and ages and ages and ages. He is the everlasting God. In other words, this great being we are talking about today, who is here among us right now? the everlasting God. He has seen it all and can do it all. Think about it. The everlasting God can speak every single language that has ever been spoken. I mean, he even knows what the animals are saying. He has read every word of every book that has ever been written. He understands all technology. That's easy for him. He grasps all philosophy, all political science, all psychology, all neuroscience, all science of every kind. Get this, you guys. He can even fully explain Bitcoin. I mean, he is brilliant. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. His understanding, no one can fathom. And not only that, he does not ever grow tired or weary. Like his battery is always at 100. He is not limited by external forces in any way. He does not ever need to replenish or refresh or renew. He doesn't need the month of June off. No, no, he is full on, full capacity, nonstop, all of the time. Jesus said, my father is always at work. Always. Church, the everlasting God is always at work. And the testimony of the scriptures and of the church throughout the generations is that yes, as he is always at work, yes, God does do like sudden work. Right? He does, he does that. He provides these breakthroughs in holy moments. We see to Abraham with a word of promise and to, to Moses, right, in a, in a burning bush, to Mary through an angel, to the church on the day of Pentecost with that, with that holy fire, with that fire divine, to Saul slash Paul on the road to Damascus and testimony after testimony after testimony from the church in every generation, including right here in this very room of God doing sudden. I mean, sudden and powerful things. 
The everlasting God can do that, hear this, can do that at any moment, even right now. He can speak a word and change everything. He can, he can part a sea. He can bring down an army. He can heal the sick. Like, he can heal the sick right now. He can lift up. He can tear down and suddenly work to bring renewal. And we say, come, Lord Jesus, right? I mean, we, we want that. And I want to say that it is good for us to not just want that, but to long for that, to pray for it, to position ourselves for God's sudden work. We've seen it before, and we say, yes, God, do it again. Amen? Can I get a witness in here? We, God, do, God, do your sudden work among us that we might praise you more and live more in line with you. And, right? And... At the very same time, what we see in the scriptures is that the work of the everlasting God is often slow, unseen, underground, and seemingly silent. Church, I believe this is a word of encouragement for us today. Hear this. God has not forgotten you. My sister, God has not forgotten you. My brother, in Jesus' name, hear this. God has not, he has not forgotten you. He has not disregarded your ways. He is not too tired or too dull or unable or disinterested. No, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. And in those times when we're not seeing his sudden work, we can trust, and we can trust that he is doing his slow work in us and through us. Yes, Abraham received that word. He received that promise that through him, through his seed, through his offspring, that God was going to make the whole world right again. And then, decades and decades went by with no children. Yes, God spoke to Moses in that burning bush when Moses was 80 years old. And by the way, that was after the people, God's covenant people had been in Egypt for generation after generation after generation, some estimate 400 years. Yes, the angel spoke to Mary that she was going to give birth to the Savior and King of the world. And then nine months later, a baby boy was born and they gave him the name Jesus. And then three decades later, Jesus began to step on the scene. Yes, the risen King Jesus powerfully encountered Saul slash Paul on that road. And then remember from our study of Acts, then it was eight to ten years later before he came to the city of Antioch to really step into his calling. And there is example after example after example in the scriptures and throughout church history, including right here in this very room of God working in underground, unseen, and seemingly slow ways to bring about his renewal. In fact, when Jesus talked about the normal way the kingdom of God comes, to what did he compare it? You can't even see it. A mustard seed. A tiny little seed that in the first century was known for being the smallest of all seeds. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted underground in his field. 
Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet over time, when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. In other words, Jesus proclaimed that the way God usually works, not always, but the way he usually normally works is in small, buried, unseen ways that take time to grow underground. It's the, it's the underground, subterranean work of God that prepares us then for the great and glorious things that he will do one day in the future. And so church, when, there were a lot of hands up early on, when we are not seeing the renewal we long to see, we keep going. Like we keep, we keep going in this, what we're giving ourselves to, sometimes for decades sometimes even for generations, and we do so by trusting that God is indeed doing his slow work. And everybody agreed and said, amen. And then posture number three, we bind ourselves to him. We bind ourselves to him. It says starting in verse 29, the everlasting God gives strength to the weary. So he has unending strength and power. But he gives it to the weary. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, those young humans who, who have the most power and energy of, of any humans out there, right? Even youths, so grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those, here we go, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those who hope, some translations say those who wait on the Lord. And the Hebrew word there is kava, and it's a word that just literally means to bind. It's the literal meaning of the word, like, like cords in a rope. You see how a cord's in there, and then it like binds to the other cords? That's the literal meaning of this word kava, and you can see easily then how figuratively it means to hope in or to wait upon. You see, when we kava in the Lord... We are saying, I am committed to going. I'm going to bind myself. I'm committed to going wherever, wherever you're going to go, no matter what. To loving whatever you're going to love, doing whatever, whatever you, you are doing. When we bind ourselves, that's, that's, and when we do, when we bind ourselves to the Lord, not to results, not, not even to renewal, not to our own ingenuity, our own whatever, anything else, but when we bind ourselves, when we take this posture of binding ourselves to the Lord, it says those who do that, those who hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. And watch what happens. It says, they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In other words, they will go, those who kava, those who bind themselves, they will go wherever God's work of renewal takes them, and don't miss this, and at any pace that he takes them. And I really think here, I really believe that this, that the, the prophet gives us here, this is in ascending order. Here in the verse, not descending, but ascending. Here's what I mean. Sometimes, sometimes as we bind ourselves to the king, we will get to experience soaring on wings like eagles. Like that, that's where, in, in those moments, that's where he takes us, right? Those breathtaking breakthroughs that happen in holy moments and on holy mountains. And here's the thing about those. They happen sometimes, right? Praise God. 
and do it again. And then other times when we bind ourselves to the king, we will get to run. And running happens in short, short spurts, right? We run for short periods of time. And the thing about binding ourselves to the Lord and running, in that hard, running hard in that particular season is that we'll do that, and it says, and not grow weary. But then most of the time, church, most of the time in life, and may I say most importantly, as we bind ourselves to him, we will walk day by day, season by season, and decade by decade, as God does his slow, unseen, underground, seemingly silent work. We will walk step by step with all those questions, with all the unknowns, with all the pain. And as we bind ourselves to him, the amazing thing is that somehow we are able to just keep going. They will walk and not be faint. And everybody agreed and said, amen. And so, church, we ask hard questions with soft hearts. And we trust, if I can get one of these seeds, we trust in the slow mustard seed work of God. And we bind ourselves. We find out what it means to bind ourselves to him. And as a way to lead us toward the table of the Lord's Supper today, I just want to say that we take on those postures because that's what we see in Jesus. And so this morning, in part because of the child dedication and in part just because we want to keep trying to experiment, I want to offer up a a, a few different ways that you can respond, that we together can respond in these moments that we have left together. Um, One of them is by coming to the table of the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to set that up here in just a moment. A second one is to sing these songs in response to whatever, whatever God is doing in your heart and life or whatever you long for him to do in your heart and life this morning, to sing these songs of praise to him and, and to get to do that together is such an incredible opportunity. And then the third way is if you would like to just have someone pray for you today. And you know what? That can be like this big thing that's going on in your life. Are you hearing this today? Or it could just be something really small. It could be very related to what, what, I, got, what I shared here this morning or not. And so I just want to say that um, once, the, once the songs start here in a moment, if you're part of the leadership council or if you're part of the prayer team, if you would just come over here just to make this accessible. Because I know in this room it's like you're coming up on stage. We'll just do this over to the side over here. If you're part of the leadership council or prayer team, Uh, If you would just come stand over here, maybe even along that wall up in front here, just to receive people to pray. And so, again, this morning, that's one of the ways you can respond. And if God's doing something, stirring something up, that's just a great way. You can go share it. You can just ask for prayer, whatever it is. But as I was saying, we know that all of this is what we want. These are the postures we want to take because these are the postures we see in King Jesus. Jesus bound himself to the Father. Whatever he saw the Father doing, that's what he did. Day after day, decade after decade, trusting in the slow, decades-long work of the Father. And he did so, clear to the point of being nailed to a cross. And there on the cross, with the lyrics from Psalm 22, he asked a hard question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
And he stayed there faithfully, bound to the Father. And there on the cross, he died. The bread and communion that we take and eat, his body given up for us on that day. The cup, his blood shed on our behalf for the forgiveness of our sins, for all the other things that we've bound ourselves to. All of it. All of it. And for this new life that he's called us into where we get to be part of God's covenant people together. So this morning, if, if you want to proclaim that Jesus is your Savior and King, just the way we do that is to come to the table and to get those elements. You can come there or there. There'll be a couple lines formed out the back. The gluten-free option is out that way. And so you can respond, church. We don't just come to receive. We do, but we don't just come to receive. We come to respond to God. And so you can do that with communion and with singing and with coming for prayer. And so whenever you're ready this morning, you're free to respond as he leads.